listeners to Season 5, Episode 13 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Shar, and my pronouns are she, they. And I'm Kelly, and my pronouns are they, them. And this week, we're kicking off our Candle Night celebration by watching The Lodge from 2019. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to keep you warm when you're supposedly dead from a gas heater exploding. (laughs) This episode will contain discussion on suicide, cults, animal death, child death, hypothermia, frostbite, divorce, and gaslighting. If any of these things are something that you need to not hear about today, feel free to skip this episode and we'll see you next time. So I made the drink this week and I'm extra excited because if you listen to last episode, I've recently been uh, doctor recommended to go on the low FODMAP diet for uh, IBS. And this is a low FODMAP cocktail. Yay. Two in a row. Pew, 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 pew. Also, (laughs) um, the actual liquor component of this is optional. I made it in mind to just be a regular hot cocoa inspired beverage. Mm. Uh, But if you want to, whiskey is a... Uh, liquor that you can have in small amounts on low FODMAP. So you can add a little bit of whiskey to this beverage, which I'm calling Repent with Cocoa. <laughs> it is good. Uh, I think there's a, a a tad too much whiskey in there. Yes. So the optionality of whiskey is good because then you can you can have some uh, some hot cocoa. Yeah. Um, so what I made for this was um, you reduce chocolate. So I used a combination of milk chocolate and 85% chocolate. Mm. Um, and you reduce it in coconut milk. Uh, so I used 100 milliliters of coconut milk, about two pieces of 85% chocolate and about eight milk chocolate kisses. Non-brand exclusive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, what is the non-brand? Like I don't know. <laughs> chocolate dollops. <laughs> chocolate teardrops. And it's really easy to make. I made this in the microwave, uh, just melting down the chocolate already in the heated coconut milk. And you just have to be careful not to overheat your uh, dairy or whatever as you're stirring frequently no it's lactose free yes no lactose (laughs) whatever you would call (laughs) non-lactose and it makes it you can only have small portions of this treat if you are uh, on the low FODMAP diet which uh, is why it's served in such a small glass and it's very very thick which I've really enjoyed Mm. Um, I put an ounce and a half of loudmouth soup which is the Hashtag not whiskey from after dark <laughs> uh, from after dark distillery, but uh, I think with the ratio of just how little actual hot chocolate is being made with this recipe, if you were to add some whiskey to it, I would just do one ounce. And a reminder that this recipe is actually to serve two people, mm. so it is a really small uh, beverage for you to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, if you're not low fodmap, you could. Make as much as you want. (laughs) (laughs) The the coconut milk in hot chocolate is really good. I don't know why I never thought of that because chocolate and coconut go so well together that could just put coconut milk in chocolate milk. I was debating uh, doing almond milk or coconut milk. And then I remembered that Kelly hates almond milk. And it's a strong word, (laughs) but accurate. (laughs) But I thought that the coconut milk would add that extra, you know, coconutty flavor. That would be nice for it. Yeah, it's really good. I like it. Again, a little less whiskey, but the fact that you can have this chocolate milk is very inspiring for 
the holiday times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's warm and it's chocolatey and it will warm your chocolatey heart. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. We want to do a shout out to our patrons. <gasps> uh, shout out to Roxanne B, Ollie A, Nicholas G, Jacob M, Diana S, Aiden T, Jackie V, Cat K, Redhead Rebellion, Les Represent Podcast, Colleen D, and Aubrey L. Thank you so much for supporting us. This show would not be possible without your your help and your support and your love and generosity. Sending you some extra Candle Nights well wishes. Heck yeah. Look under your seat. There's our well wishes. Whoa. We put it under there just for you. <laughs> Hopefully you're sitting down right now. <laughs> if not, just find the nearest chair. It'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> And this week we watched The Lodge, which premiered on January 25th, 2019. It's written by Sergio Cassie, Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. And it's directed by two of those folks, Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz and edited by Michael Palm. It stars Riley Kiuf. I don't know if I'm saying her name right. As cult survivor and soon to be stepmom Grace. Jaden Martell as unforgiving brother Aiden Hall. That's the kid from It, by the way. The one with the stutter. (laughs) And Leah McHugh as younger sister Mia. Also, I couldn't let the starring section go by without giving a huge shout out to Wally the dog as cutest pupper ever, Grady. (laughs) This synopsis was written by Nick Reganis on IMDb. We've been seeing a bit more of Nick recently. Mm, Thank new you, Nick. friend of the podcast. Yes, maybe? <laughs> I think so. In the wake of their mother's suicide, the emotionally scarred siblings, Aiden and Mia, find themselves stuck with their dad's new girlfriend, Grace, for the Christmas holidays. Hold up in the family's remote lakeside cabin somewhere in the snow-capped wilderness of Massachusetts, they will soon get the chance to show their true feelings about Grace when their journalist father, Richard, has to leave them in the care of their stepmother-to-be. But before long, as a relentless blizzard cuts them off from the outside world, inexplicable hair-raising occurrences push everyone beyond their limits, triggering vivid hallucinations of a traumatic, well-hidden past. Now the inner demons demand more. Is there an escape from the lodge? which I thought was very well written. (laughs) And this is one of those films that's a very slow burn, so much... So many small events happen that it doesn't really make sense unless we go into the details a bit more. So instead of writing my own quick synopsis ending, I actually took some of the summary from IMDb, which doesn't have an author to it. But just so you know, this wasn't me. This was from IMDb as well. A following morning after a night of hot cocoa and watching The Thing, in the morning, Grace awakens to discover that all of her belongings, including her clothing, psychiatric medication, and pet dog, are missing. The food has also disappeared from the cabin, as well as Christmas decorations that she put up the day before. The generator has gone out, leaving all of their cell phones dead, and Grace suspects the children have pranked her, but finds their belongings missing as well. She notices the clocks in the house have advanced to January 9th, and a tearful Aiden tells Grace that he dreamed a gas heater in the living room malfunctioned, and they all suffocated, and expresses fear that they may be in the afterlife. Grace suffers a nervous breakdown, which intensifies when she finds her dog frozen to death outside. She then enters a catatonic state on the porch, and worried she might die of exposure, the children finally admit to Grace that they have been gaslighting her the entire time, having drugged her, hidden their possessions in a crawl space, and played recordings of her father's sermons at night via a wireless speaker. 
Mia has been calling Richard daily so that he will not suspect something is wrong. And with their own phones dead at last, the children unsuccessfully attempt to start the generator and bring Grace her medication, but find her now completely insane, wholly convinced that they are in purgatory and must do penance to ascend to heaven. That night, the children find Grace self-flagellating by burning herself on the hearth. They barricade themselves in the attic, but are confronted by Grace in the morning, who insists that they must sacrifice something for the Lord. Richard returns to discover an inconsolable Grace brandishing his pistol, and in an attempt to prove her belief that they are in purgatory, she fires the gun at him, killing him. Aiden and Mia attempt to flee in the car, but get stuck in the snow. Grace forces the children back into the lodge, where she seats them at the dinner table with their father's corpse and sings nearer my God to thee. She then affixes pieces of duct tape reading sin to each of their mouths before contemplating the gun to kill them. This is very reminiscent of her past as the sole survivor of a cult uh, mass suicide attempt that was revealed earlier in the film. Dark stuff. Mm -hmm. That's a good summary. Yeah. Thanks, IMDb. Appreciate that. (laughs) Hit me with that trailer audio. So, how would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas with Grace? She really wants to get to know you guys. I don't want to leave you here with the kids if you're not feeling up to it. Uh, I'm feeling fine. It was my idea and it's a couple days. I can do a couple days. Repent and you will find salvation. Right, you go first. Uh, I mean, once again, a trailer that shows way too many of the scenes. Um, considering that this movie's like intention is to have like all of these disturbing things happening to the the two kids and the and Grace, showing basically every scene that happens, like the the peak of the scene, just leaves like, oh, what's going on? To be discovered. Yeah. So like going into this movie, if you had seen and remembered the trailer, every interesting part leading up to the twist had been revealed. I feel like the biggest impact for me was that it felt more like it was leading up to be something supernatural, Mm. like a creature or like someone stalking them outside. Yeah. Um, Which wasn't really what I was feeling when... I was still under the guise of like something is going on that's not the kids. I thought it was like supernatural, but more like, you know, ghosty or something. So it didn't really feel like a ghost slash haunting movie for me hmm. uh, from that trailer, which was interesting. Yeah, that's fair. I it mean, did make I, me want to go see it. Yeah, it did kind of make me think that it was supposed to be ghosts in the trailer. Yeah. That okay. actually leads well into my second point. Well, so I'll skip jump it. ahead. I'll skip to that one and then go back to my first one. <laughs> um, we definitely, like, I don't know. We don't really watch trailers anymore. We sort of just scroll Netflix or Shudder and, or like a list that's mm-hmm. like horror movies we should watch. Um, we so have a like, very specific type of film. It's either, you know, trash rom-com for me. <laughs> Or if we're watching something together, it's got to be a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. So like we don't watch, we don't find something on a list and then watch the trailer. So we usually go straight into it. Mm-hmm. And we had like no indication of what the the twist was in this one. Mm-hmm. Whether it was like um, the kids are do like the kids are evil and are possessed or something, or like there is a ghost or 
she's actually the one doing everything. So the mystery of the movie was really well done, I think. Yeah. Um, the first time that we watched it, we really couldn't tell if it was going to be ghosts or if like the biological mom was haunting them or if they were actually dead or some sort of combination of like hallucinations or, or based on the weather, who knows? Yep. Um, and I honestly like would jump around to different theories because there were a few shots at night of like a figure walking through the house, but you couldn't really see who it was. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe that like a ghost was there or hell, even like somebody else was staying there and that was going to be the big reveal. Oh, that they were that's like, like what a niche subgenre sub film where someone's living in your house too. Yeah. Like you've been, they've been left alone, but it's because somebody else was here. Yeah. Like maybe somehow the preacher dad had, was still alive and was like stalking her. Who knows? Ooh, um, but yeah, the movie was like very, it did a very good job at making me question everything that was going on and never actually landing on a decision until it was revealed at the end. Yes, I agree. I thought, especially first time watching, I was actually shocked when they had the kids on the bed being like, okay, we have to tell her yeah. now that it was us. I'm like, what? You did all of this? No way. But she had been hallucinating and stuff, which now going through a second time makes the movie watching experience completely different mm -hmm. because we were constantly like, was this something that the kids did? Was this just a dream? Was this hallucination caused by the stress? And it was fun to like figure out which was which throughout the entire movie. Yes. Um, especially like in the beginning when it was very obviously like, oh, they faked the whole thing about the, the inhalation and dying. Yeah. With the gas heater. Hence yeah. my cocktail, <laughs> which they also drugged her in that time with hot cocoa. Yeah, it exactly. all comes together. It's all working out <laughs> or like him spying on her was obviously like to put her off, like make her uneasy. And the daughter showing the video that they made of the biological mom was obviously like to isolate her. And like mm -hmm. every little thing that they had done, you can see that that was their planning even to the like there were some points where like the daughter and, and Grace bonded a little bit mm -hmm. and you were like, oh, well, this wasn't planned because they had this this thought in their mind of her being under the, like, the evil stepmother. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool to see that see the movie from an entirely different perspective. Yeah. It was like watching behind the scenes sort of. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would say, I mean, at this point, if you're listening to us, it's too late for you. You've, you've, we've ruined it for you. You've been spoiled, but um, watch like watching it for the first time was entirely different and very cool. Yeah. It's two different movies. This basically. is kind of like one of my points, too. If you actually don't mind, if I jump in breaking the format. Whoa. What are we? I don't know. It's the end of the fifth season. Lots of stuff is changing. Um I was also going to say, like, when we first watched it, I really didn't connect the dots. But then watching it the second time, I almost felt that it it seemed like you were supposed to realize that the kids had done it much mm. earlier on than I realized it. Because they also we didn't really talk about it in the synopsis, but there's a lot of shots of this dollhouse that the mom has made for uh, Mia. And it's interspersed. It starts off the film, but then it's also interspersed throughout the movie. And it's very hereditary like to me. Uh, mm. And 
they use the dollhouse to sort of plan the killing or not killing to plan the ruse of them being dead. Uh, And that's interspersed throughout all the hauntings and scary things that are happening. And I don't know. I was I almost was like, was I dumb that first time (laughs) I watched it? I don't I don't know what I was supposed to be feeling. Yeah, I almost think that I assumed it was a ghost doing it or like maybe it would be revealed that the mom the mom's ghost was at the house changing all of these dolls to like manipulate the events of the lodge or something. Yeah. Cause they know. focused a lot on the, the Barbie doll that the daughter has, which represents the mom and like is dressed in the mom's clothing. Yeah. And I guess we yeah. maybe probably should have planned, like figured it out because after they're playing in the doll set, we see them, we see the son like packing his bags and there's a picture frame. There's two candles that are set up at the like quote unquote vigil later yeah. on. So that, yeah, I think you can call yourself dumb, but we definitely got, went in with more knowledge and you can easily see those foreshadowings. Yeah. Chekhov's candles. <laughs> We're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. Drinking and screaming would not be possible without the support of Mad Lab Distillery. We love this Canadian company and all of their spirits. We're constantly using their drinks all the time and we love them. You can get your own bottle at a private liquor store near you or at madlabdistilling.com. This week we used After Dark Distillery's Loudmouth Soup as an optional whiskey with an asterisk um, ingredient in today's beverage. They have a wide variety of flavored moonshines and other goodies available, so don't wait. You can get your own at a private liquor store near you or at afterdarkdistillery.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream, on Facebook at drink and scream, and you can email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. For more information and buy some merch, go to drinkingandscreaming.com. We also would love if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcast or Podchaser to help more people find this show. Fun fact, we are number three in Tokyo right now. Y'all know how that happened. Hell yes. But hello, Tokyo. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to snow back to the episode. I don't know. I don't have anything. Repent (laughs) for your sin of a bad pun. Hey. That's it. Uh, we can go back to your section. I'm so sorry. All right. No worries. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my first point was that I genuinely feel bad for Grace in this whole situation. Oof. Um, the entire movie is kind of like maybe she did it um, or like you feel that she's the villain at the end because she killed them all. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, the gaslighting is so real. Yeah. Like, the kids were realistically being shit kids. Like watching it through again, you can see just how this, like a child's mentality would be like this new stepmom is a villain. We need to torment her. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still like royally fucked her over and triggered the hell out of her. Yeah. To the point that it's like socio, like how did the kids get to this level of sociopathic basically? Yeah. Um, they so specifically targeted her trigger points And like knew exactly the things to say and do to make her freak out. And I feel like they could have still scared her. Not that this makes it any better, but they didn't have to do the whole cult background playing the video or playing the audio. I feel like even all the other steps they did were enough 
to scare her. Mm -hmm. And then they also did the like, in my opinion, unforgivable thing of stealing someone's medication. Oh, yeah. That's like new levels of low. I mean, which is interesting. I'm like, yeah, you can convince someone they're dead, but don't steal their meds. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Like they I don't know if it's like the dad's fault for not communicating to them that she had to take these medicine, like take this medicine. Well, she was hiding it from him, too. Was she? Yeah. There's a scene of her like hiding the bottle behind her back. So. So, yeah, I think I think everyone was sort of like um, they didn't. Nobody expected what would happen in this circumstance, but everybody was in the wrong. Yeah. Um, And like she's coming in as a a stepmom, which is always hard, but especially to kids who just lost their biological mom like six months ago. This is a huge this is too much. Like they should have gone to Chuck E. Cheese or something yeah. to try to bond or like had Christmas at their house. Yeah. That way when he goes to work, he's only gone for like six hours. Um, and she can, I don't know, call her friends or go they can go for a walk or something. Yeah. Um Especially because he asked the kids, Do you wanna go? And they said, Fuck no, I don't wanna go with her. Yeah, I hate her. She's a they little They were very shit. clear. <laughs> And so why would the dad think it's okay to send them to a cabin and then leave and isolate them completely? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Grace was put in a unwinnable, an unwinnable situation here. Even if they didn't plan this, this ruse, it would have been an awkward ass weekend. Yeah. She was kind of getting through to the daughter, but I think it still would have probably ended poorly. It also was admirable of her, though. She wanted it. I think that's why the dad did it was it was her suggestion. And she really was trying to bond with the kids. And and he even checks in with her like, I feel like things have taken a turn before leaving. And he's like, do you want I don't think I should go. And she's like, no, it's fine. Go now. And she's very like meaningful in her saying that. So it's very interesting. I mean, just buy them stuff. That's the best way to come in as a step parent. Is she just, got them presents and they stole them. <laughs> but then just do that at, at the home. Yeah. Especially in like, I don't know, I guess maybe the lodge was like a safe place for them. Like put them in a spot where everyone feels safe emotionally and physically, which would be in your in your house in the middle of the town and then kind of try to bond with them. Leave yeah. her alone for a bit so that she can work her magic about talking about how she bought herself a dog to feel more independent and how the daughter wants a dog. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this was an unwinnable situation and I feel very bad for Grace. Yeah. And now she's done something in a very vulnerable state that she will never recover from. I mean, she's she's probably dead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I mean, she got out of it the first time. Maybe something happens. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Which this is kind of leading into my point as well. My second point. If you're feeling like you're complete with that. Uh, I am. I am done my thinking. My right. thoughts are over. <laughs> Empty brain from now on. I wanted to find out more about Grace as a person. And this isn't like, oh, Grace is like the stepmom and that's all she is, <laughs> uh, which I frequently complain about. But I feel like her true self was hidden from the audience sort of in order to get us to connect with the kids who were being horrible to her. Yeah. And then she was basically just shown as the new stepmom coming in and also being this cult survivor. But you could tell that she was so much more than her trauma, especially in the first half of the film when she's trying to connect with the kids. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to sort of discuss 
at the time near the end when she's repenting and burning herself on the fire, which was a horrible scene. <laughs> um, she's talking about like, we have to repent for our sins. And she's kind of talking in a sense for me, it feel, it felt like it was Richard and her, which I almost was like, was there cheating that happened? Was there something that made the kids more so hate her than just being the new girlfriend slash one could say reason the mom killed herself? Yeah, like maybe because I got the impression that it was because they were having sex and they weren't married. I never equated it to oh, okay. that she had been sleeping with the husband before the divorce. Like the divorce hadn't gone through, but they were definitely we're separated. separated. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe they did separate because he was cheating on her, which couldn't be an entirely possible, which would explain more why the mom was so angry at her. Yeah. Um. So maybe... It was just, it was very interesting. I feel but like also she, like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like she was so religiously indoctrinated that something even as benign as having sex before marriage would have been a punishable offense. Yeah. But then she says fornication. Yeah. As one of the, her lists. Cause they ain't married. I don't see a ring on that finger, yeah. <laughs> but it, it just felt to me like there was something else. But then on the other hand, at the start of the film, when we have the kids with their biological mom in the car, you can tell that they're very much on the mom's side even then. Yeah. So maybe there was no winning for Grace and she was fucked from the start. Yeah. Yeah. Very intense family dynamics in this movie, for sure. Also, on your point of like not really learning that much about her, we don't see her face for such a long time. Like we see the back of her head, her silhouette, and it's not until she walks into the car... And the dad like leaves that we actually see her for the first time. I think the kids have the kids have obviously seen her before, but mm-hmm. there was this like air. I think you're, there was definitely an air of like she's the villain. Don't look at her uh, and side with the kids. And then when we see her, she's like unoffensive. Looking. She looks just like the biological mom. Yeah, like every, <laughs> everything's chill. Like you you expect her to be like grimacing and and snarling at the kids, but like she's super chill and has a pupper. Yeah, yeah. And that's it for me. Okay, well, uh, while you were talking and I emptied my head, I ventured out into the snow. Oh, God. And I found amongst the the runes of an old, I think that was like a Firewatch post or something. I don't know. Looked like a Firewatch post. Sure. Uh, There was nobody there, but there was a murmuring book with a face on it. It was frozen when I found it. So I brought it back to our house and warmed it up by the fire. And it started whispering to me to open the Economicon! It is cold. And then I burned it. So. <laughs> uh, my recommendation is The Children from 2008. Ooh. We watched this some time ago. Yep. I don't remember. It's another snowy movie about kids fucking over adults. I honestly don't remember if I liked it or not, but I remember some choice scenes and it was pretty gruesome and cool as hell. So maybe I did like it. That sounds like you liked it. <laughs> I don't remember. That's the children from 2008. Thanks. My recommendation is the others from 2001, which is another sort of like haunted and quotation marks house film that also plays on the fraying sanity of a mother and unreliable narrators. And it stars Nicole Kidman. The Others from 2001. Mm. Not wintertime, unfortunately. 
Scaredy facts. This is the part of our podcast where we invite you into our snowy lodge where we get snowed in and we can't escape and we snuggle up after watching a scary movie to learn the backstory and realize that it's just actors playing parts and nobody died. No one got duct taped and that dog is super fine. And we invite you uh, to join us. (laughs) Yeah. Starting off with the budget, which is unknown because it's behind IMDb's paywall. Oh, no. I did some other searching, though, and I was able to find that the worldwide gross for this film is three point two million. Ooh. Uh, it was pretty isolated. So Ice. I'm imagining <laughs> that they made a good return. Like if especially if the lodge itself was already built and it was just like a found location and not a set. Yeah. And it felt like real snow. So I think it was just seasonal shooting too. Mm-hmm. But that's just me guessing. <laughs> Number one, got to do a dog fact. Ooh, Grace's dog is named Grady, which is the name of the former winter caretaker at the Overlook Hotel in Stephen King's The Shining. Hey. Whoa. And then, you know, Jack goes and murders everybody in that. So huh. the dog does kind of get a similar ending to Jack of being frozen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the cult from Grace's past is clearly based on Heaven's Gate, of which 39 members also committed mass suicide in a communal house with shrouds covering their upper bodies. I think I remember, I don't know if I remember that event because I don't know when it happened, but we definitely learned about that at some point. Is this the Kool-Aid one? I don't remember. That's Um, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of cults. Potentially. I mean, that's the most famous uh, event, I guess, or like reference. Yeah. Do we want more cult info or more painting info? I only have two scaredy facts left. Uh, dealer's choice. Ooh. Um, I'll end with cult. So we'll go with the painting of Mary seen in the opening scene and throughout the film is a reproduction of L'Annunziata, the Virgin Annunciate, by Italian Renaissance artist Antonello de Messina, mm. which is interesting. And then the cult fact I have, cult leader Aaron Marshall, father of Grace Marshall, is actually played by the actress's real life dad, Danny Kuf. Cool. I don't know if I'm saying that last name right. I would almost just say co. It's one of those English words where there's just a whole bunch of letters <laughs> that, that are can silent. just be cut out that yeah. you do not need. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, I thought, very interesting. That was her real dad. Yay. Yeah. Again, no car or gun facts. And there was very featured car and gun. Yeah. So I'm sorry for that. I mean, the, the gun was probably a Colt and the car was a Jeep. I don't know. <laughs> there's my guesses. <laughs> well, maybe they do have one. They do. <laughs> I am so sorry. Car facts. Whoa, coming in late like the dad. <laughs> Speaking of, the dad's car is a 1986 Jeep Wagoneer. Got it. Nailed it. <laughs> and then we see a snowplow earlier in the film, uh, which is like on a truck. And this is a 1999 Ford F-Series Super Duty. That's all I got for you. Nice. I was going to look up if I could find the gun. <laughs> I cannot. All right. <laughs> I'm I guessing it's a cult Um, because it's cult, 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 cult. Oh, a cult. Got cult, it. Cult, cult. Look at you. You're funny. <laughs> Final thoughts. My Give it to me. Uh, this movie was definitely better the first time. Um, It was a little bit slow the second time. I kind of like 
had to get into it and I was a little bit dreading how slow the movie was, even though it was oh. very cinematic and nice the first time. Wow. Uh, but overall, it's a great movie. Damn. Definitely recommend it. Yeah, mine is, I really like this film and it's one I'll come back to for sure. I found, even with the upsetting fate of Grady, <laughs> the poor dog, which was a little traumatizing. But um, I really enjoyed it. It is great if you're also watching it with someone who hasn't seen it yet. Uh, so you get that fresh feeling still and like one-to-one reactions, but I really enjoyed it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's been The Lodge, a movie about two kids who watched Home Alone and said, hold my juice box. <laughs> Next week, we'll be continuing our Candle Nights celebration by watching Better Watch Out from 2016. And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and local designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drink and scream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com. 